What's going on, my beautiful people? You know what time it is. You know what we about. You know what we about to get into right now. It's the Marquette Fit Podcast, and I am your host, Marquette. What is going on with you, ladies and gentlemen? It is currently Thursday morning, and I am procrastinating from going to work. So I, I just figured I'll just talk to you. I'll just have the conversations that we love having uh, twice a week. Now, I've been surprised, man. I've been surprised that during this new year, I've actually kept up with my schedule of uh, releasing two podcasts per week, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Normally, I'm not somebody who is extremely organized and who does things exactly when I say I'm going to do them. But lo and fucking behold, we've been maintaining some sort of uh, 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 organization skills around here. You know, as I look to my right, I have a whiteboard where I have all my content organized and and it's it's really a beautiful thing, man. It's a new year, new me is what it is. I know that's something you probably haven't heard before, right? You know, I'm a very original person, so you probably haven't heard that phrase before, but I just want to drop it on you real quick. It's a new year and it's a new me. You understand? I went from Marquette to Marquette. It's a new, I have a whole new experience. I got new content, new skills. We're going to go ahead and attack 2020 with that vigor. You hear me right now? Um, and to be honest with you, the reason why this, this this change came is because I was scared straight the other day. Uh, I thought that I was going to lose my life, right? I had a near-death experience. And I'll tell you about it real quick. I'm laying down in bed, right? It's my girl's birthday. You understand? She goes out with her homegirls, goes to the club. I stay home with our son doing daddy duties. Put him to bed. I lay down in bed, right? Flash forward a little couple of hours. It's 2 a.m., 3 a.m. actually. My girl comes home. She comes in bed. She lays down. I think about getting some ass, but I know it's late, so I just lay there with hard wood. You feel me? Uh, And as I'm trying to drift off into sleepland, into slobber city, I hear uh, some ruffling over there by the, the blinds. So we are apartment in structure. We have a balcony, right? There's two uh, entry slash exit points to the balcony. In our living room, you can enter the balcony. And in our bedroom, there's also where you can enter the balcony. Same balcony, two different entry points. You understand? Over the balcony, there's blinds that we can close so people can't see us fucking and being butt naked in the bedroom. You understand? So the blinds were closed. I heard a lot of ruffling. Now, we have a fan in our room because my girlfriend likes to sleep in 36 degree weather. So the fan is on at all times. You understand? Uh, so sometimes the fan blows the blinds and it makes a little ruffling sound. So I'm like, okay, that's what this is. The fan is blowing. That's making the ruffling sound. But this ruffling sound was aggressive. It was an aggressive ruffling. <laughs> like it was, I was like, okay, what's going on? What is happening here? That fan is not that strong. This, I know she does not have it on the highest setting, so it should not be making that much noise. So immediately I think somebody's trying to get into my house right now somebody is trying to break in and harm me and my family because they can't intend to rob us because we're broke so they are trying to harm me and my family and i must protect that which i love so i get up i turn the light on and as i look at the blinds and am ready to tackle the intruder i see a real bushy tail uh at the top of where the blinds are so I'm immediately like, okay, well, I was prepared to handle a human being, but I don't know what the fuck this is, huh? The fuck is, what has a tail? Is this a demon? What is going on in my bedroom right now? I'm alarmed. So I turn on the light. I say, babe, she opens her eyes annoyed because again, it's 3 a.m. 
she hears ruffling in the feather in the in the blinds she looks to her left sees the tail move and i swear before the lord upstairs her body floated up towards the ceiling and then she proceeded to levitate out the room i have no idea how she got more air than michael jordan but she left the bed and floated out of the room in sheer terror and i was right behind her in fact i hitched a ride i grabbed her ankles and i flew out the room as well i don't know at the you know at this point i don't know what's happening so i grabbed something a bat or something i don't think i had a bat i think i had a baby shoe <laughs> i think i grabbed one of my son's size two shoe and went in the room armed to handle this bushy-tailed creature as i make my way back to the room I see him. He hops from the blinds, hop on our bed and gets him to the carpet and runs towards me. And I say, ah! I say, scream like that. Right. Ah! That's that's what I did. OK. Um, I know it, I sound like a bitch, but that's that's the noise that escaped from me. I didn't mean to make that noise. That's the noise that came. You understand? Just follow the story. So when we make eye contact, when I make eye contact with the beast, I immediately recognize what it is. It is a squirrel. Not just any squirrel, ladies and gentlemen. It is a baby squirrel. Baby squirrel look at me in the depths of my soul. If I had urine in my bladder, I would have pissed myself. But fortunately, I pee before going to bed. You know? So I chase the squirrel. He runs back into the room. I immediately close the door. I look at my girl. She looks at me. I look down with pure shame because I I, I really just evaded this this awful creature so she asked me okay babe what are you going to do i'm like, i don't know i have no idea right now let me think just let me think right uh i'm trying to figure the situation out people i've never been in a situation where a squirrel has made it into my house before i don't know what they're capable of huh i have i don't have a pokey desk that's going to inform me of what the fuck this thing is capable of what moves it has i don't know if this squirrel has a weapon i'm completely thoughtless right now just to give you the visual, I have on a pink robe at this time moment because now I'm like, I'm afraid that something's on me. So, you know, I was sleeping in my drawers and just draws, just draws and nipples out. Right. I got holes in my drawers. My dick is out as well. So I put on my girl's pink robe. I put on a hat, I put on some boots and I grab my son's toy bat. And I also keep his baby shoe for good measure. And I'm thinking about heading back into the room. But before I head back into the room, you know, I grab my girl's hand. We circle and we say a little prayer. A protective prayer because I don't know again what this girl's capable of. I don't know if it's a demon taking the form of a squirrel because I have no idea how this creature manifested itself into my house. My heart is beating fast, my hands are sweating, my eyes, pupils are dilated. I open the door and I run. I run into the room, I go into the the room and I open the entryway to the balcony. But to my surprise, the squirrel was not there. When I entered the room, I saw the no more presence of the squirrel. He was not there, which was very interesting to me because when I was looking at the squirrel, I've skipped this part of the story. While I was still outside, after I closed the door and put my girl's robe on, I went out the uh, living room entryways to the, to the balcony and I peered in and saw the squirrel still attempting to get out of our bedroom. So I knew the best way to get rid of it was to open that door. But unfortunately, I have a girlfriend who wants to lock every damn door in the house. So she locked the entryway to our balcony from our bedroom so I cannot open the door from the outside. Okay, so I knew the only option I had was going to the bedroom. Flash forward, I run to the bedroom, open the door, run the fuck out, close the door again. We sit in the living room and we wait. 
it seems like an eternity has passed. And then finally, finally, as I'm peering out, praying, I see the squirrel make his way outside. Yes, babe, we did it. And she says, hurry the fuck up, nigga. Go inside the room, close the door. So I run back in the room. I close the door. And we have succeeded. We trapped the squirrel. But then there's another problem that I see. This squirrel is unable to leave the balcony because we're on the second floor, ladies and gentlemen. And this is a baby squirrel. So then the truth, the reality of the situation hits me. This squirrel, I think, came from inside of our house. I think a adult squirrel made its way into some portion of our apartment, not internally, but like in the walls or some shit and had a beautiful family. And then one of her beautiful babies made his way into our house. That's the only logical conclusion I can come to because this little motherfucker seems like he has no squirrel abilities right now. He has no squirrel abilities. He can't climb. He can't do shit, but scare the fuck out of me. So we wait, we watch, and eventually he makes his way down the wall. Now, flash forward, like, a couple of days later, we call the exterminator. They come out and set traps up, and they inform us, yeah, there was a squirrel in your neighbor's house as well. So I talked to my neighbor. He's like, yeah, man, same situation. It was in our bedroom on, on the fucking blinds. We were scared shitless. Our dog was terrified. And I'm like, okay, well, we need to do a, a collective lawsuit against this apartment complex because they give no fucks about my well-being. I have rabbit squirrels in my house. This squirrel has rabies. You may think that I'm, say that I'm being, you know, extreme, but the way that squirrel ran and looked at me, he had to have been rabbit. Huh? He had to have been rabid. So my after this whole thing, this whole ordeal occurred, I, I just wanted to burn the entire bedroom. Just just clear all that energy, and all that space up deforestation in my fucking bedroom. But uh, it didn't have to come to that. My girl talked me out of it. She she blew when I lit the match. She blew it out and told me, yeah, but we don't have to burn the house down. Let's just wash everything and we'll be good. So, yes. Uh, after I reflected on that experience, I figured out my life is not going to the place I wanted to go. I need to be more focused. I need to be more skilled, more orderly, more organized. So that is why <laughs> I am organized with this podcast. It may not make any sense to you. That's a true story, people. Uh, I will say the more of that story is to always keep a baby shoe on your person. Anyway, so what's going on with y'all, man? You know, I was told by my mentor like last time uh, I did this podcast uh, to talk about the journey that I'm on trying to get into the entertainment industry, social media, cloud, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know what the fuck my goal is. I was talking to a couple of people from the movie, my homeboy Boogie, and he was talking to me. He was like, bro, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know what the fuck your goals are. Now, the reason why Boogie told me this is because me and him had a conversation recently. And he was telling me he had an audition to go to an open, an open audition to the public for a Tyler Perry production. And I asked him, "Okay, so what does that entail? Because Boogie currently lives in Virginia, Richmond, Virginia. He had to get his fat ass into his car and drive to wherever part of Georgia Tyler Perry lives, I guess, Atlanta. And go to an audition. So I'm like, okay, that's a couple hours drive. What do what else does this entail? And he was like, Well, if this is an audition that your agent puts you on, it's normally like a four hour process. 
He said, but given this is an open call, it's going to be about eight hours. So I'm like, wait a second. Hold on real quick, brother. You got to take off work and drive hours to this audition and then wait eight hours to potentially get a part? No, thank you. He was like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. He's like, okay, well, this is how you act. And I'm like, that's how you act. <laughs> no, that's I know that's how actors do things. This is not a boogie situation. This is just part of the price you have to pay if you want to be an actor. Um, but people, as I told him, I don't do things like everyone else. I have no intentions of doing the acting thing in the traditional manner. I have no intentions of auditioning for shit unless I'm particularly called upon. I'm not going to no open casting calls. I don't want to act that badly. My intention is to create my own shit. It's just what I want. If that comes by way of me acting, directing, writing, so be it. But my goal is to create my own shit. I don't give a fuck about being in somebody else's stuff. I gladly will. But I'm not sacrificing a whole day in order to do so. So <clears throat> there's that. <laughs> if there's any actors listening to me who dreams I just crushed because you see how annoying that process is, I apologize. But you're welcome because you just saved time. Uh, so my strategy has been completely different. As you all know, it's just been executing on social media, just putting shit on social media, making shit, writing shit, putting on social media. And I must say that that process thus far has been wildly frustrating. Why, you ask? Well, because I had this conversation with my girlfriend last night. I believe I put out really good stuff on social media. If you compare it to social media, if you compare my stuff to what you see on TV and movies, no, we're, that's not the same game. When it pertains to social media, the work that I put out is better than 90% of other people in the comedy field who are putting out videos. I've seen professional comedians put out skits and shits are just, you know, okay. My shit is better. I truly, truly believe that I put in work into me. I write out everything. I don't just put a camera on and start talking. I write it out, make sure it's good, and then I post it. Uh, but the part of that that's been frustrating to me as of late is the fact that growth is happening slower than I would want it to. And I know, I know, I know if Gary B was here, he would say, be patient, patience, motherfucker, patience, dick. Uh, but it's still hard to be patient. I'm not used to it. Um, you know, I see other people who've been doing it for a little longer than me who have a drastic, a, a much bigger following. And I feel like I should also have a similar following following to that. But when you start playing that comparison game, it does terrible things to your happiness and your fulfillment. So it's best not to play it. Um, also had a problem with fucking imposter syndrome, to be honest with you. Imposter syndrome is where you just feel like you're not supposed to be a part of the situation that you are. Right. Um, the way it manifests for me is like, is this actually good? Am I actually funny? These kind of questions pop into your mind as a creative because you just really don't know. And this is part of the process. You have to work your way through it. But what I've been doing lately is working on developing different skills. Skill acquisition is the name of the game. So I want to constantly get better at improving my my comedic ability, my storytelling ability. So the, the, it's best that you only learn one skill at a time, right? If you're going to apply what I'm saying to your own life, it's better if you learn one skill 
at a time. You don't have to master it. You just need to build yourself up to a certain level of competency where you can go move on to a different skill. So right now, I felt the best skill for me to learn is storytelling as it applies to screenwriting. So screenwriting is one of those big skills that has many sub skills to build it up. What I mean by that is, you know, you learn how to ride a bike. You're just riding a fucking bike. Riding a bike is one skill. Cooking is multiple skills that combine into cooking, right? You got to know recipes. You got to know, you know, what different flavors, combinations taste like. You got to know cutting skills. You got to know cooking skills. Kind of, you got to learn how to use different tools. There's a whole bunch of mini skills that combine into creating the macro skill of cooking. Same thing applies to screenwriting. Screenwriting in and of itself is not a skill. It's a bunch of micro skills that, that, uh, aggregate into a bigger skill which is known as screenwriting so some of those micro skills are character culture like uh character development uh dialogue um just the technical aspect of writing a screenplay making it you know meet industry standards uh story structure uh outlining all that kind of stuff so the part that I've been learning recently is story structure, because when you get story structure down, you can apply that to, you know, short stories. You can find anything that would be a story. If I decide to write a story on Twitter, I can apply a story structure to it and then execute on that way. And it's just going to make the story better. Uh, I kind of did that with the squirrel story at the beginning of this podcast. You may have liked that story. You may have not liked that story, but the story structure made that story be somewhat compelling um so that has been the skill that i've been focused on the next skill i'm kind of debating on i don't know if i want to master dialogue well get good competent at dialogue or get good competent in character development and i think the latter is probably the best part because in order to craft good dialogue you have to intimately know who the person is that you're putting these words into uh, so that will be the next skill that I focus on building up so that every skit that I make, every story that I write, every, every screenplay that I cultivate is going to be better than the last. Um, and you know, my, my, my girl has told me that she thinks that I should execute on Twitter more. What do y'all think, man? If you listen to this podcast, how about you send me a message? On any of my social media platforms and tell me whether or not you agree with my big headed girlfriend. Should I start tweeting? I've experienced mild success, mild followers on Twitter. I've tried different Twitter personas. (laughs) Uh, I had, you know, a decent amount of followers when I was on black Twitter years ago. Uh, but most of my fathers came from picking on people. And I don't necessarily want to joke on people. That's not cool. You don't want to you don't want to tear someone down to build yourself up. Right. I'd rather just create funny scenarios, tell funny stories and just jokes. Right. Not necessarily at anyone's expense. I'm past that. Uh, so I experienced good success there. Then I switched to like a more of a spiritual account and experience success there as well where there's like the top spiritual guys are following me most recently i try like the personal development space but i don't have anything different to say than other guys so i didn't really succeed there but i'm thinking about going back to having more of a comedically focused account um because she had really good reasoning as to why i should do that so curious what does my audience think what do you podcast listener what do you think i should do 
Uh, so yeah, hit me up and let me know that. <clears throat> um, so yeah, man, we're, we're going to ask you more on Twitter. We're going to keep on focusing on building up these skill sets. And I would encourage you, if you're listening to this, to apply what I'm saying to your situation. If there's something that you're trying to accomplish, find a skill that is relevant to it. For example, if it's marketing, like it was for me, that's my nine to five job. I'm a marketer. Marketing is a big skill that is made up of many different skills. Some of those skills are copywriting, SEO, paid ads, all that kind of shit, right? So in order for me to learn marketing, I had to learn copywriting. Then I had to learn search engine optimization. Then I had to learn lead generation. Then I had to learn blah, 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 right? So I had to learn a whole bunch of micro skills to build up to the macro skills. So what is it that you have a goal for this year that you could break down into minor skills and tackle them shits one by one? Figure that shit out, people. We're going to go ahead and make this year a tremendous one. Let's transition to the news. And if I had like an actual team, I would cue like news and music and shit. But I was looking at the news. It was really nothing worthwhile to talk about. Only thing is like uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle decided to take a step back from their uh, royal family duties. And I can only imagine that Meghan Markle was the brains behind this operation. A lot of people criticize Prince Harry. One, let me just quick caveat. I don't give a fuck about the royal family. That's the first thing. I don't know why people care. It's really just white women who care about this shit. I used to work at uh, the hospital in my hometown. I worked with this this young, pretty white girl. And she loved the royal family. Like she used to, when Kate Middleton got engaged, when that whole situation was going on, she got like a, a mock ring that looked similar to Kate Middleton's ring. And I thought this bitch was completely a lunatic. I'm like, why the fuck do you care so much about this bitch? Like, I did not understand it. Uh, but apparently it's very important to people. So Prince Harry gets a lot of slack, especially in like the red pill communities with men who pride on being masculine and alpha. They think that he's a fucking moron, one for dating and marrying someone who's older than him that already has a child. I can see their point because <laughs> if I'm a man who has that much status, I have no kids. Like, Damn, I'm not marrying no chick with children. Fuck out of here. I tell my girl all the time we break up. Listen, you got the short end of the stick because I can get me enough, bitch. You going to struggle getting a good quality man with just a kid. That's that's just the facts. That's the difficult situation to be in. Uh, so for this dude to just willingly go out and marry a chick with. And I know I'm going to get some flack for that comment. But that's listen, I operate in fucking truths. We're speaking truths here. I ain't saying it's fair. I ain't saying it should be that way. I'm just saying from what I've observed, that situation. <clears throat> so if I was a fucking prince, right, you would have to be fucking amazing. I'm talking like ISIS titties. I'm talking like goddess Aphrodite. You would have to be a bitch like that for me, for you to one, be older than me and two, already have children and have already been married before for me to be like, yeah, you're my wife. Nah, come on, bro. So. He gets a lot of flack for that, a lot of criticism. And because of that situation and because of other things. OK, let me just give more clarity into my thought process and the point that I'm making here. You have a dude who's high status who is a marrying a woman who is older than him and already has a child. If you look at pictures of them together, body language doesn't lie. Normally, if you see in pictures, if you see, if you see a man leaning in towards his woman, and she's kind of like not leaning in towards him. She's posing like model pose and he leans into her. Metaphorically speaking, that is symbolic of him being a part of her world and not vice versa. 
right? So in other words, she's in any situation where you have a relationship, somebody's reality is dominant, right? In in red pill circles, they call this frame, but somebody's reality has to be the dominant reality. For men, because of how men are shown in society and for cultural norms, normally the man's reality is supposed to be the dominant one. So women are supposed to be leaning in towards him, right? He's supposed to stand firm like, you know, a Greek god statue and the women are supposed to be around him. And current societal standards, because of, you know, the way that we treat women now, we kind of uplift them and put them on the pedestal. You see more and more men leaning in towards their women and their women being like the dominant one. Like, um, what's that chick from Egypt? Uh, what's her name? The queen? Wow, I'm blanking. I'm, I love history. I'm blanking on this shit. Anyway, so <clears throat> Prince Harry has all of these traits. He dates someone, marries someone, older than him, already has a child. And there are pictures you see with them. He's leaning in towards her, which subcommunicates that he is a part of her world instead of her being a part of his world. That's what leads people to see that the decision that was made was made mainly by Meghan Markle. To put it in layman's terms, she wears the fucking pants. And that is obvious. She's the decision maker. It's not to say that he doesn't make decisions. It's saying that she is heavily influential in the decisions that are made. And things happen probably according to what she wants to happen. So that is where a majority of the criticism comes from. Many people probably would say if he married somebody else, they wouldn't even be in this situation. This is all Meghan Markle's doing. If you look at Twitter, the trend, the hashtag is MegExit or some shit like that. Which is a play on words for Brexit. Anyway, the only reason I'm talking about this is because I think Meghan Markle's fucking gorgeous. <laughs> I know it completely contradicts what I was just talking about. But uh, listen, when suits came on, bro, I don't even like suits like that. It comes on to on a whack ass, uh, a whack ass station was USA or something like that. They make whack ass TV. But when I seen this bitch, I was like, okay, that's a winner. She looks good as fuck. Uh, but still, if I was Prince Harry, hell no. Anyway, moving on. We're going to move on to entertainment news. So, uh, the TV show that I recently watched called Dracula. Dracula was a three-part series, just three episodes, about an hour and a half long a piece, about Bram... Bram... What's the dude's name? Bram Stokes. I think he's the original writer of the Dracula story or novels. Um, it's Bram something. Anyway, thought this shit was good. So it started off amazing. It started off the pit and Dracula in a way that we've not seen him before. The story was very compelling. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. But I will say this. The shit ended badly. It ended. I, I would rather have another squirrel in my apartment than watch that shit again. It, it ended horribly. And as I told you all on previous podcasts, endings are important because you can create a beautiful beginning, a fantastic world evolving middle and then if the ending sucks your entire project sucks people only remember endings right think of a relationship your relationship starts off great the middle can be wonderful but if it ends horribly you're like fuck that relationship right so yes dracula what made it good is they they took dracula they showed how he um not got his start but you 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 travel the journey of like one of his victims and he ends up killing this guy and doing all this crazy shit and then trying to make his way to England. And they just track this whole process between him becoming 
a younger version of himself by killing his first victim, right? Because he's like an old dude who's been living for centuries and he can reverse the Asian process by observing, absorbing the essence of his victims. So he starts off old, absorbs the essence of his victim, becomes young again, and then begins this journey to try to get to England just so he can slaughter everybody. And it just tracks that process. And I'm like, this is fucking good. And on the third episode, because I don't give a fuck about spoilers, no spoiler alert, I'm telling you everything. Um, third episode, he actually makes his way to England, but before he does so, like episode two, he's on a ship trying to make his way to England. We're still in like old country type times. Uh, and they end up finding out he's Dracula and kicking him off the boat. So he has to fucking walk to England on the ocean floor and it takes him a fucking century to do so. And he ends up in like our world, 2020, uh, coming from like the 1700s and end up in 2020. And just how he adapts to that situation. But the third episode out of the three-part series is fucking weak, man. It's weak sauce. I ain't like the shit at all. So, you think about watching Dracula? Don't. Now, what you should watch is Dave Chappelle recently was the recipient of the Mark Twain Prize. If you don't know anything about that, the Mark Twain Prize is an annual award that they give the comedic figure who has just given... A great contribution to the world of comedy. I think Will Ferrell has won it. I think um, Charlie Chaplin has won it. But this year's winner was Dave Chappelle. And listen, Dave Chappelle is essentially a father figure to me. There is no one who I look up to more comedically. The person I look up to in life is like Will Smith. The person I look up to comedically is Dave Chappelle. Mainly because he does whatever the fuck he wants to do. And he seems to have a great time doing it. And he doesn't care what your expectations are. He's going to do his own thing. Hence why he went to Africa and left his wildly successful show. Now, that being said, uh, the reason why you should watch this is because of the speeches. Namely, Neil Brennan's speech that Dave Chappelle, uh, that he gave to Dave Chappelle. Because Neil Brennan is a fucking hilarious comedian who has a great podcast you should listen to, which is called How Neil Feel. Uh, I don't know, man. I just thought it was really good. Um uh, Neil Brennan gave a fantastic um, uh, celebratory speech to his dear friend. It was a beautiful thing to watch. The thing that really impacted me was Dave Chappelle's speech when he accepted the award. This dude's stage presence, man, is, I don't know. I've never seen someone command such strong presence on stage before. Like, it's crazy. You can't help but watch him. And... Not only that, he's a master of the English language. He just commands the English language in a way that I've never seen any comedian really do. Aside from like George Carlin, but that was on some whitey white shit. Uh, So his stage presence, his mastery of the English language. And then lastly, I saw someone in the comments because I watched this on YouTube and they were like, he has like the just amount of a whole bunch of different elements. What that person meant by that is like, Dave Chappelle will give you intellect. He'll give you comedy. He'll give you philosophy. He'll give you emotion, but he never goes overboard on any one of those elements. You watch the stand-up, he'll give you a long speech about something that's like heavy and then end with a punchline. It's like, bro, why the fuck did you do that? So it's just inspiring to watch him. So I think people, y'all should definitely check it out and that brings this podcast to an end we did it yes we're keeping up with the momentum we are still releasing two episode a week podcasts uh i will speak to you all again next tuesday till then be great